and welcome to Unlicensed Entertainment. I am your host, Carl Lettner. This is episode 44, so thank you for listening. Today we have a very special guest who was one of my favorite guests on my previous podcast, Unlicensed Film Reviewers. I forgot the name of my old show. That's how long it's been. Uh, but my guest is Danny Hopkins. Hello. Welcome, Danny. Thank you. Uh, so, oh shit. Hold on a second. Already. It's going again, so we're just gonna. Uh, yeah, sweet. <laughs> we're gonna see how this goes. The, my regular listeners know there's always always audio issues. If this happens again, I've recorded an episode on my phone before and then turned it onto my computer, so we might have to do that. Audio is not as good, but whatever. So, Danny, I met you in college. We were in acting class together, mm-hmm. but uh, wait, wait, were, were we in two acting classes, or were we, were we just in voice and movement together? I remember voice and movement. Was there another one? Uh, did Did you have the the redheaded teachers? You had red hair. Spiky oh, hair. We did scene work. Arlene, I think her name was. Not Arlene. Some, I can't remember her name. No, I think you're right, actually. Was it Arlene? Sherry was the one with short brown hair. Chris was the one we had in voice and movement. Yeah. I think Arlene's right. Okay, yeah. So we had two classes together. Yeah. I hated her class. Oh, really? She She felt... Okay, uh, different methods of people, uh, mm-hmm. during different styles. Her style, I felt was... Very self-important to her, but not very informative or, or helpful for anyone else. <laughs> gotcha. I've had other teachers that I thought were inspiring and helpful. I didn't think she did much. But I enjoyed having the class with you, and uh, I think right away we had a pretty good rapport. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you started off, you weren't just into acting and stuff like that. Which How, how into acting were you? Because that doesn't seem I, like a main focus. At that time, I was... Like it, I was just in every acting class. So I did like a full year at Citrus, just taking every acting class I took. I took screenwriting or screen and stage writing. Um, and do I get a little closer to that class? Yeah, yeah. Chase was in that class. Mike goes my previous podcast. Um, yeah. And um, uh, and I took the theater class that you and I took. We took voice and movement. I took voice and movement twice in a row. Same exact class. Really, I hated that class. I got so much out of that class, I did it twice. I liked wasn't even certain levels, points. I just did it again. I'm just going to bring up the things that I hated. Okay. One was the yoga. <laughs> I was so bad at it. The teacher commented that he's never seen someone get more tense the more they do yoga. <laughs> so that was not my thing. And the other thing was we had to... Oh, no. I'm going to name three things now because I remember another oh, one. no. Uh, there was one where we had to do a solo interpretive dance. You had to yeah, think of something, yeah. uh, find some music, hopefully that, that fit with your thing, and then do interpretive dance to that. I don't know if you know this about me. I'm not very much of a dance person. I do not want to make up my own interpretive dance. Mm-hmm. My interpretive dance was I got the theme from the Omen, and it was all standing in place, looking ominous, waving my arms, because <laughs> I am not the guy's gonna dance around and That's funny, show my feelings. I don't remember anybody's individual dances. I remember a group dance that we did. I think that was the second one I was gonna do. That was the second one I was gonna talk about. Oh, I fucking loved that one. I, but oh, I'm sorry. It was cool for what it was for me. And mm-hmm. again, I brought the music for that one as well. I brought the. It was a song from Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. I took that soundtrack. And yeah, we, we did, did like uh, a, we did a witch burning. Yeah, and that that literally, I think that was the first time I ever realized I was into tying people up. <laughs> it's my job to grab. I think her name was Carissa, and like tie her to the you know mime pole. Okay. And I was like, I'm getting way too much out of this. <laughs> I don't. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, so uh, the, I, the, it was not my class. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there, again, I met some good people, had some good times. That's that's the main thing that matters. And yeah, yeah so I had a good time with that. But at but, that time, I was like okay. 100%. Like, oh, I want to be a theater because I went from high school and I did every single play in high school. Yeah. And just fucking loved it. And I was thinking of going to Fullerton because that's where a lot of my friends from high school went. So I was like, all right, I'm going to test it in Citrus. And I was in Romeo and Juliet there. And that was a fucking like great time. And Sherry was an amazing director and teacher. Sherry was great. I loved Sherry. Yeah. And I had a great time with that. But everything else aside from the acting was awful. I hated all the backstage shit. There was already like, like enough people that knew each other that there was pre-drama the, and and backstage politics and so much shit talking, and I wasn't a part of any of it because I came in with no like not knowing anybody. Yeah. So I, I was just like hearing this person talk shit about this person, and then hearing that person talking shit back about that person. Everyone behind everyone else's backs. Drama that I was not involved in, but heard it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, are these theater people? Because I don't want to live my no, life I, I with get these that. people no, ever. I'll be honest. Uh, one of the reasons I stopped doing plays over at Citrus because people were so horrible to me mm. that I was like okay maybe I don't like this environment I had friends there I had a lot of people that I liked yeah but well, I should have Matt was in the, the play with you yeah most of a lot of the members of the lobby my former improv team were in there and I had a great time with them I made some great friends I made friends with you made friends with Tyler mm-hmm. a bunch of people these people don't know who they are that I'm, talk, I'm mentioning by name it was a lot of fun but yeah I get that that's horrible yeah so uh, one of the things I saw that you're into also okay so you were into two big things and I want to go into them both a little bit you did, uh, was it like a burlesque show or something like that? With like At the a, time, I was, yeah, like a thousand percent into doing vaudeville comedy. Vaudeville, okay, that's what it was called. Uh, and, and you also do music. So yeah. And what, that's what I was doing with vaudeville comedy. Okay. I was doing musical comedy. You wrote your own play. I saw your own play in Hollywood. Oh, yeah, yeah. Holy shit. That's funny. I remember something you don't that's remember? That's funny. No, no, no. I do remember it, but I would never have thought to bring it up. Um, yeah, that was the... Fuck, what was it called? I don't remember Vaudeville. Flawedville, and it was just yeah, it was a musical about the the uh, a town of sideshow freaks, and that was performed with and for the uh, Freak Show Deluxe. That was my sideshow troupe at the time. And you you uh, used to I think you did pins, and also you could fold yourself up very small. I can fold myself up into a reasonably small sized uh, uh, trunk. Which was impressive to audiences in L.A., but when I went to Coney Island to do it, no uh-huh. one was impressed. Because um, they're just so used to it over there. They're okay. like, oh, another freak. You're, Yeah, I've seen smaller. I, I like, get that, but like, I mean, I'm seeing you in person. You're pretty, you're not, you're thin, but you're right. not small. When I try to emphasize how long my fucking limbs are, because I'm six foot five left and right, and mm-hmm. six foot two up and down. Okay. So I try to emphasize how lanky I am before I get into the box. Coney Island still wasn't having it. Uh, but, but the needles that I stuck through myself did freak everyone out, so... That's always good. But the main thing, the main your main focus, and I have a couple of your albums was your was your music. Yeah. Uh, you go through phases. It seems like uh, each album seems to be different than the one I heard before. Uh-huh. Uh, so what what do, what is your influence in music? Why'd you get into music? Let's go into that a little bit more than the other stuff. Uh, I I didn't have a choice. Like my family was very 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 musical. Really. Um, like they didn't force it on me, but it was just always around so there's always music playing my mom had like five different stringed instruments plus a piano plus bongos like so 
my mom was just very into folk music and we went to Broadway shows all the time and my sister got really into it so I just got really into it and okay uh, yeah. that's better than what when you said force I picture you like with like a gun to your head play the guitar play the guitar no no no, no. And, and in fact my mom specifically is like I did not want to be a stage mom which is why I never put you in anything oh, okay that's good young. yeah yeah I kind of wish she had, but I kind of glad she didn't. So there's, you know, Dude, I'm six and one. I'm 100% the same way. I wish that my parents had been like, let's uh, let's do, let's do some theater stuff. You're a little kid actor. You're a twin. Let's use that. They're they're in demand for for kid mm-hmm. actors. But you know, it probably would've been horrible for my childhood. Right. Exactly. Um, but yeah. So uh, once I was a teenager and started, you know, discovering music for myself, then I was like, oh, this is what I want to do, forever. Mm-hmm. Um, metal and rock, of course, which, uh, you know, that's no way to make a living. Um, you do, I mean, well, I, as I've discovered, yeah, well, not that you can't make a living no. doing it, but I couldn't. No, I, and I realize <laughs> the same way with performing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But if you can keep it in your life right. and it makes you happy, I don't see a reason why not to do it. Exactly. In, in fact, I've, I've just recently come to the conclusion that I, I need to, like, Almost 100% separate livelihood from anything I do that's artistic and passionate. Unfortunately. Because I've been trying so long to make music my career by doing music that people pay me to do. Mm -hmm. And it's starting to drain me. Okay. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm... I have like five different bands. Like you said, I always have like a million yeah. different projects and different bands and I go through phases. I bought three albums and all of them were very different. <laughs> very different. Yeah. And I've got an industrial band. I've got a punk band with my best friend. Um, I've got two different parody bands. One's a metal band. One's a classic rock band. I want to do all of those. Mm-hmm. I don't even have time to do one of them right now. Oh, okay. Because I... Because I'm working for someone else at the moment, and going to school, and have a day job. So, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to finish school, I'm going to do a day job that doesn't make me want to kill myself, and I'm just going to do what I want to do. Okay. Outside of that, you know? No, that's good. So like, so, like, my bands that I just mentioned, like, are, are the thing that I want to do with my free time, because uh, it won't suck me, you know, down into despair mm-hmm. if I fail, because I'm not doing it for anyone else, and I'm not doing it for money. So, uh, do you have any people that you go like, okay, this is what uh, influenced me? Because I, I could see, like, especially in, a, I think it's the second band, it was called Crossdresser. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I could see some influences in that one. The other one, I, ones I don't really know uh, who I mean, does that. Obviously, the biggest influences were on everything I do is Marilyn Manson, who I'm like, fuck. No, like, it's horrible. And when everything came out, you know, recently, I'm just like, god damn it, dude. I, I um, get it. Uh, 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 like in my house, my, my wife and I, before we got married, by, uh, went to for our uh, uh, bachelor bachelorette party, went to Universal, did the whole Harry Potter thing. We're so mm-hmm. into it. And then turns out she's a piece of shit. And yeah. our weddings, we have people sign uh, our Marauders map as our wedding thing when you went there at the reception. Yeah. So there's tons of stuff in our house that are JK Rowling supportive. And I still like those books, but she's a piece of shit. Right. So I get it when your when your hero turns out to not be good. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, but it, like, and and what's funny is that Trent Reznor, uh, Nine Inch Nails. That's the the biggest influence I'd say, um, overall. And like, he didn't turn out to be a piece of shit, but now he's doing soundtracks for Disney. Mm-hmm. And I fucking hate Disney and everything they stand for now. So, I'm not wearing a Marvel shirt. <laughs> 
You know, no, I mean, like, that's the thing. Is like, I even liked what they were doing with Marvel at first, and then okay. they ruined it. And then I, I hate everything they do with Star Wars. But, to be fair, I, I've just given up. Okay. Um, I haven't seen The Mandalorian because I don't just, I didn't want to support anything Disney does anymore. No, here's the thing. I Not because I, I think Mandalorian's going to be no, bad. No. I assume it's probably very good, but I, I under, want no part in it. I understand your, your, your point of view on that. I wish... That I didn't like their stuff so much. And I'm a horrible... I realize I'm supporting a horrible company when I'm right. watching Disney, when I'm ordering something from Amazon Prime, but I do not have the conviction to go against, like, oh, that looks entertaining. I still want it. I know they're evil, right, but right. they're playing on me so well. You know, I mean, like, like it's it's so fucking cliche, but there's no ethical consumption under capitalism, so it doesn't matter what you do. We're, oh, no. we're doing something horrible, but I don't have to support entertainment. That no, I don't you don't support, have to. You know? No, you don't have like, to. Like, luckily, I can actually get around that. It's difficult, but I can get around Disney. And besides, I'll never forgive them for what they did to Star Wars, you know, the canon, mm-hmm. and trying to own the canon and to dictate what is canon. You're talking about the big purge they did when uh, when they bought out Star Wars? Well, not just that, but what they did with all the main characters. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the big trilogy. Yeah. Seven to nine. I'm like, I mean, you lost me at eight, but I went with nine just to see if they could fix it, and they didn't. And I'm like, yeah, I don't trust you with any of my beloved childhood things ever again. I'll say, as a person who is a fan of the TV series, all of those are good. Which one? Clone Wars, Rebels. But those weren't Disney. Mandalorian. Okay, Boba Mandalorian Fett. is. I like all of those. But Clone Wars and Rebels were pre-Disney. Okay, well they they fit into they fit them into the new one very well. Yeah, of course. I mean, but they, well they 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 do TV better than their movies. I don't like. Right, right. I thought Solo was fine, but all the other ones were not good. I couldn't even make it seven minutes into Solo. Well, the dialogue was so like it was like, are you trying to sound like Star Wars era bad seventies dialogue? Because that works when you're looking at it and it's retro. Yeah. It doesn't work when you're like, you did this on purpose. Well, this they, is horrible. They did, we always said we'd get out of here. They do one of my things that I think is the, the dumbest thing that movies feel like they have to do was give an origin to, to things that don't need an origin. Yeah. You watch X-Men Apocalypse, they give an origin to Xavier being bald. Which right. I just assumed was because he went bald, but no, yeah. there was a thing that's, that happened. That's exactly how I felt about Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I'm like, no, 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 no. The interesting thing about Willy Wonka is you don't know where the fuck he came from. Exactly. And why he does what he does. But then, uh, but uh, at least there's there's a story behind that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Where, like, Solo was like, uh, what's your last name? Uh, I don't know. I'm just going around by myself. And he's like, uh. oh. Han Solo. Yeah. He had an origin for Solo. We didn't need an origin for Solo. No. <laughs> so no. it's super dumb. I think we got really off track. Uh, well, I mean, hey, we're talking about relevant things yeah, to your podcast. True, right? true. <laughs> uh, so I got to ask, because I, I, I had in my head someone that, it, that I thought was your main influence for music, which I thought was going to be Bowie. There's no I mean, Bowie. Bowie is, no, Bowie's huge. Okay. Bowie's a huge, and, and like... I can see why that would seem like a big influence because I just shift as hard as he does left and True, right. True, that yeah. But I think like w- with him, it's just he's that much of an artist and a commercial genius. And for me, what like as we were discussing kind of uh, contextually before we started recording, I just discovered recently that I have ADHD. Okay. And I'm like, 
That explains so many things about my entire life that I did not know. So many people I know are recently getting diagnoses <laughs> and it's helping them out a lot. Yeah, exactly. It's helping me out a lot because it's helped me figure out like, why do I actually function really well at my day job, but not when I have free time? Mm -hmm. It's because I have a structure in my day job and I work with people that I really, really, really like. And if I have that... I'm able to function really well. Okay. When I'm left alone by myself and I have piles of mail I have to get through, I literally can't make myself do it. And, oh, discover it. That's an ADHD thing. Oh. So, you know, growing up not being diagnosed, I didn't know what the actual symptoms were. Mm -hmm. You just think like, oh, it's a kid that goes squirrel. Well, yeah, that, that's how we were taught. Yeah. Right, exactly. And that's not it at all. It, that's just a manifestation of it with some people or a kid who can't sit still. And I'm not hyperactive. I'm attention deficit. So like I don't I don't have the hyperactivity part, and most people have a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. I, I really only have the attention deficit part. I only have the squirrel part. If it's any other <laughs> animal, I'm off. So yeah, it's it's uh, I I think because what ADHD actually is is a dopamine deficiency, which means you are constantly seeking the thing that gives you satisfaction, mm -hmm. and you're not capable of grinding through the disappointment as well as a neurotypical person. Uh -huh. I think I start a band, I put out an album, it gets fucking nowhere real fast and I mm -hmm. give up. That is like ADHD to the T. And that, that's unfortunate because I gotta say, um, like I said, this is not an insult against you, it's just not the music I listened to. I liked your, I loved your first two albums. Thank you. I love them. I thought the first one was one of the most unique musical experiences I've ever listened to. Was that the... The the, the Fool. The Fool one, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that one. I listened to it like crazy for a long time. It's, Thank you. You know, it, it hasn't been on the back... It, you know, I, I burned it out. I haven't listened to it for a little while. But there was like a good two years where it was constantly on and I was constantly trying to show it to other people. I really thought that was interesting. And then You're I love like Cross... like one of four. <laughs> I, I feel like that's just a noise sound. I always like... I get sick of sounds. So like I, I went... In like my first, my early twenties, all I wanted to listen to was power metal. Mm -hmm. Like that was the only good music. They're the only ones that play guitar as hard as they do. The only <laughs> ones that sing with the vocals I want to hear. Yeah. But eventually, that got old. Mm. And then I kept on like finding. I got into into swing, and I got into. Uh, I kept on finding. I got into a little bit of opera. I, f I would find like I need something, a new sound to hear. Yeah. To to get into music again. Right. And. That sound that you have for at least, especially for that first album, was something I had never heard before, which is why I appreciated it so much. Thank you. I, like, I'm actually going to take a couple of those songs and rework them for my uh, the punk band that I've got. Oh, and I'm not insulting your other music either. I love Crossdresser, uh, Rotten Apples is one of my favorite songs you've done. Thank you. Uh, and then, uh, and the, the, the you played the... you played some punk songs for us when I was on the Carl and Josh show, and I really like those ones too. Uh, there's something about Cat. It's been a little while since I listened to it, but. Like, Double cat or something cat happened on my iPod, but yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. That one was like a surf rock punk metal thing. That was an album I did also in conjunction with Freak Show Deluxe, the session okay. troupe. So that whole album was Freak Show themed and actually has a lot of the same sounds that the Saint Harlequin's Confession one. Did. Okay. Um, yeah, circus stuff just comes up a lot. And then the Crossdresser album, like that, turned into what I now call the Lazarus Gene, and like Crossdresser would absolutely fit into the Lazarus Gene music okay so i'm still doing that sound as well but again i've had no time so i i have like two albums worth of songs written and half arranged for that that are just sitting there right now do you have <laughs> them anywhere where people could hear them 
because I, I bought the album from you. I haven't checked Any, Spotify or anything. Anything like I've that. got uh, is linked to uh, dbhopkins.com. Okay. So Danny Burkoff Hopkins, dbhopkins.com. Can they, is this something that people can stream or do they have to buy the albums or what do you have to do? The, the most of my stuff is on Bandcamp, so you can stream it free like five times. Oh, okay. Um, although I do have the Lazarus Gene album that I did in 2013 on Spotify. Okay. So that's the Lazarus Gene on Spotify. So all ten of my listeners will hear that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, see, yeah, I, I can mention that I'm eating because I'm yeah, oh yeah ripping open a package. They got here a little bit late, so they had to eat something. It's all right. It's all good. Uh. Fuck, I forgot what I was going to say. I had a good transition and then just left my mind. Uh-huh. Well, anyways, yeah. I, that kind of fits in with, you know, you talking about, uh, you know, it's hard sometimes when you don't get instant response. This is about my fifth, fourth or fifth podcast I've been a big part of. Mm-hmm. Each one, there are diminishing ret- When I stop and then start up a new one, there are diminishing returns. So I have a less and less of a crowd than I did the first, last time. Yeah, same issue. And uh, With albums and podcasts. It's hard <laughs> sometimes to continue on because I get... Like, I think that the biggest episode I have has about 22 listens. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not good. I'm doing this since right before the pandemic. So, uh, people, I I started this at a time where people are in their homes. They got nothing to do. Why don't you put on a podcast? Not many people listening. Yep. But uh, I found that, and you probably have this too, you also like, I want this outlet. Mm-hmm. So, you keep on doing it. Hopefully, people find it. But at least you're getting it out there for someone or just for yourself to enjoy it. And that's what you kind of have to do is go, My don't care about that. Every time I go down into that spiral of like, no one gives a shit what I'm doing. There's no point to any of it. Why don't I just die? You know, yeah. anytime I spiral that hard, my best friend is like, put it out anyway. It goes into the, it goes into the universe and it's there for someone to find. If you never put it out, it's not there for anyone to find. So then you're just self-defeating. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, the kicker that is almost impossible for any of us to do, artists are very needy people, and I'm exceptionally needy, and ADHD people are even needier, mm-hmm. so, you know, that's a great combo, is to put it out and then let it the fuck go. Yeah. Like, let it go. It's either going to get listened to or it's not, and there's literally nothing you can do about it unless you spend all your time marketing, which is why I'm not trying to make this my job anymore. Yeah. I can't do it. No, it's hard, and I also think social media platforms are less helpful than they used to be. They were really helpful right at the beginning. But they've gotten into, if you want anybody to even see your post, you have to pay for it. Yep. And it's just, I'm not willing to do that for a podcast, and I have to pay money to even do that. Mm-hmm. Every I pay about 14 bucks a month to, to host a podcast that 10 people listen to. So well, and, you know, and you know the algorithm rules, like... If it doesn't get a click or a like or looked at by an hour, delete it and repost it because it will never be seen. I never even thought about trying that over and over again. I should do that. Just all day long is spamming people with that. <laughs> You're going to notice my podcast. Yeah. I've had people I invited on this show that, that I am close friends with and they're on Facebook, trying to post all the time. I told them that I did a po- I told them in November that I've been doing a podcast. And they I didn't know you were doing a podcast. I'm like, yeah, for two years. And you didn't know. It's just it's just the way that Facebook works. Yeah, I'm not even... I, I, I know you're Facebook. not. I was like, fuck Facebook. I'm, I, I don't even want to be on Instagram, but I got to be somewhere. Yeah, I know. I get that. Now, social media, a lot... It For all the good that it's done, it's done a lot worse. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. All right, so we're going to, unless there's anything else you want to talk about, we're going to jump into the next segment. No. 
All right. So my next segment is called Entertainment Thoughts. It's the best name I can think of for this segment. I've gotten people on this, on this podcast going, don't have a name for this? That's the name I came up with, Entertainment Thoughts. <laughs> uh, and it's basically, it's not a review on anything. It is my thoughts on the entertainment I've taken in since the last show. The first one barely fits into this category, but I want to talk about it, and it's my podcast, and I get to do that. <laughs> so I recently got into, uh, so we went to Australia for about uh, for a honeymoon a couple of years ago, and I've become obsessed with Sydney. Sydney, mm. Australia is my favorite place in the world. Every day almost, I bug my wife that we need to move there. Mm. She does not want to do that. So, what about New Zealand? That's close. Would she, would she be I, willing I've, for that? I've mentioned that too. I've done research. I've done what <laughs> oh, she... Oh, me too. I'm thinking... I've done what she needs to do because let's face it, she is the career... She's a nurse. She is the career that would get us over there better than oh, my career. man. Yeah, see, she's got it made. Yeah. And I've looked up. She's got tests she has to do, all stuff. I've been like, here's what you need to do. She's like, I don't want to do it. Uh. But anyways, <laughs> uh, I still think about it all the time. So I've started watching Sydney, Australia live camps. It's just views of the city, camera moving around. I can tell what weather it is right now. It's mm-hmm. at night. It's the, it's the afternoon over there. I don't know why. I love it. I will sometimes just sleep with that on the TV. <laughs> uh, but something I've gotten obsessed with lately is, there, so one of my main cams went down, so I went to one I never go to, and I found these two people in it. It's, just, it's not very well used, but in the chat for the video on YouTube, two people were using this as a private chat room. And I've started, and they come on every Wait, day. the YouTube commentary section? Is for the live cam, it's like there is not, not. It's like two people are on it at a time. It's not a very used video, mm-hmm. and the, the comments delete after about an hour. Oh, okay. So these two people are just. It's just this live stream is always going. So around six o'clock or so every night, is when they come on there. Not every night, but I check there because that's when they're on. <laughs> and there, I'm I'm watching these people. I learned that one. Per, the guy lives in Australia. The girl, not Australia. The guy lives in Ireland. The girl lives in another place. Uh, they're both, which but is not be, Australia. Not Ireland, not Australia. Neither one okay. in Australia. They were they've been fighting recently, but he's so in love with her. But he keeps on blocking <laughs> her on uh, on another side, and then going back to Australia, Cam to go like, I unblocked you. We're good now. Please don't hate me. And she's bugging him to change his diet because he's sick, and it's just like I'm getting so invested in these random young dumb people's lives. I don't know what to do with it. I just think it's fascinating. So if you want to look up Sydney Hyde Park live cam <laughs> around six o'clock, uh, you There's might a new see the reality people, show. They for might, you. yeah, exactly. And my wife's like, "Why have you? Why have you jumped into the chat?" It's like I don't want to ruin it. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. gonna get scared off if I jump in there. Yeah, yeah. I need, I need my my stories. That's amazing. There, I mean, that's literally a plot line of so many different sitcoms. Like I can think of. Uh, uh, Third Rock from the Sun episode that adre- that is exactly the situation you're in. I can think of a uh, Will and Grace episode that is exactly that situation. I know where they're just like voyeurs into someone else's life. I know there was a, the Simpsons episode where Marge's uh, uh, baby monitor would catch like stray phone calls and she'd be saying that listening to those. There we go. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I'm not doing but, anything wrong. No, no, they no, put it out to public. Public, right? Right. Yeah. No, if someone's having a loud conversation in public. It's not your responsibility to close your ears. No, no, it's not. I can't do it. <laughs> like you, you guys are kind of making this everyone's problem. I'm check. I'm just watching the the live cam for Hyde Park in Sydney. <laughs> you guys are talking. That's all. But you, dude, you need to change your diet. She's worried about you. <laughs> all right. So another one. I was watching this show Vox Machina on the evil Amazon. Great show. Uh, but there's a they had a thing in there that I've seen so many other shows that just bugs me. 
So there's a lot of magic in this show. And one of the things that they have to do is cut your hand or cut yourself to make this thing happen. And then they have action scenes afterwards. I don't know about you. That bugs me when I see the action stuff all the time. Because me, if I were to do an action sequence right after that, I would be bitching about my hand the entire time. Sorry, guys. I can't really hold my sword that well because my hand hurts so much from cutting it earlier. Did you notice I cut it? Everyone in these shows cuts it and forgets. That's not a thing. No, I like it. that. That is a... Yeah. There's a scene in Rob Roy where uh, they're about to get into a fight. And Liam Neeson, with some some dude, some dude comes up to Liam Neeson and is like, wants to get into a fight with him. And then Liam Neeson's like, you know, he's Rob Roy. He's the tough action, you know, hero of this movie. Yes. And he goes like, first cut. And the guy's like, yeah, or like first blood drawn uh-huh. or something like that, right? So the guy's got his sword held out to Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson just brushes the tip of his sword with his hand. And he's like, all right. Essentially saying, yeah. I lose the fight. Yeah. You've cut my hand. And like, uh, 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 Inigo Montoya does that in Princess Bride. Like, where people are cutting their hands. And I'm yeah. like, you fight with that hand. You eat with that hand. You literally do everything with that hand. And it's always the palm. Yeah, always the palm. That's the worst part of your hand to cut. And, but everyone's just, they do it and forget about it. It's not a big deal. He, Inigo Montoya, still can, he can still uh, sword fight like the best of them. Uh-huh. It does not matter. His hand's fucked up. Me, you would not hear me stop hearing me complain about that for weeks. I'd be like, can I, can I park in a handicap section just because my hand's so messed up, it's so hard to get out of the car. I, and I know that like, these are supposed to be tough characters, and you and I are not the tough people. It's not always tough characters. <laughs> I was watching um, the show Lock and Key on Netflix, mm-hmm. and he also had to uh, cut his hand in order to do a spell, because there's spells on that one too. And... He's young. He's like 17 years old. Not not an action hero. He's supposed to be like a regular teenage guy. Still perfectly fine right after doing that. No. No, dude. And it like... At not, least acknowledge it. Just give me the... Not only does it fucking hurt, but you... Unless you immediately like have it wrapped up really well, you're going to bleed a lot. Yeah. And that's going to make you weaker. All I want is for one show to acknowledge that, oh, that was dumb. Why did I do that? <laughs> right before the fight. Uh, yeah, it's, it's okay. So let's move on to the next one. Uh, I don't know. This is a real thing, but I, I saw on the show. I was watching the show Billions, uh, and they're doing a thing called immersion therapy. Have you ever done this? Do you know what this is? Immersion therapy. It's kind of like you, you take away, all, you you get rid of all your senses. They also do like deprivation tanks and stuff like oh, that. Okay. They kind of x out all your senses and let your brain work in magical ways. Mm-hmm. I find it. Hard to believe that does anything, but this is my lame guy that did no research's take on something like, like you know, lots of people, me included, will watch hypnosis and go like, that's not real, that's all acted out. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the same thing with there. I don't believe that would do jack to just sense, cut off everything out. You're gonna hallucinate? No, I'm not. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be bored. There is actual research to that, though. I know. I know there is. <laughs> like, I know. people legitimately, like, freak the fuck out when you take away I've that heard, sensation. I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that. I understand that people say that happens. And I... Which is why I won't do it. I'm like, no fucking okay. way. I'll have a panic attack. <laughs> see, I, I, see, you put me in one of those, like, uh, immersion tanks, like, uh, that's basically like a coffin. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to freak out because my senses are taken away. I'll freak out because I'm claustrophobic. Right, right. <laughs> I don't know. Like you said, there is science behind it, and I, I, 
But Logically, immersion therapy, like, is it just taking away your senses? Like, immersion to me sounds like you're emerging, immersing yourself into something. So I'm like, do they take away everything except the thing that the, you're afraid of? Is it like desensitization this therapy? One, this one wasn't even, uh, wasn't even like a tank, like the, one of those tanks. The way it was in Billions was you lay down on this bed and it puts you into the, it like, you're like a CD. So like the CD-ROM part goes out. You lie down the right, CD-ROM right. part. It goes back into the computer. Uh, it's a crypt, essentially. <laughs> except for, like, it's wide while you're in there. Mm. And it's just colors are, like, blasting like crazy in this one. This is the one for rich people. Mm. And I just, I, I, I don't buy it. But I know there's science. And I'm always the guy who says, believe well, the science. I mean, that's not taking away, that's not taking away sensation, though. I know. That's... That's giving them some kind... Overloading their senses? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Rich people are Is it spo- It's supposed to be maybe like th- if they if they blink the correct color pattern at the correct time and the correct frequency or whatever, it's supposed to alter your subconscious mind or something? I, I don't know. It's supposed to free your mind up and people were like talking about hallucinating. One guy came out of it uh, and looked like he was like just got down from super high or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't buy it. I don't buy it in any of its forms. I know that's wrong. I'm the guy who says believe science, but I don't believe this. Well, I don't think there's any science behind that part of it. Well, any of it, though. I don't believe any of it. It doesn't help that the first person I ever heard about it from was Joe Rogan, and yeah. he's not a guy I want to believe anything about. And that's sensory def- deprivation, right? Yeah, that he does that, yeah. And just, uh, don't believe if it. If anyone needs to chill out. All right. So I'm not going to tell you what this is from. You just thought it was from, but this is one of the things we're going to talk about at the end of the show. We both watched movies that we think more people should watch because they're not well known. So I'm not going to tell you what it's from. But in this movie that I uh, that I recently partook in, uh, one of the character's best friends was hit in the head by a horse while riding and basically got brain damage. They, they're still around, but they're kind of like, the, they're, they're, they're mentally like a child. Mm-hmm. The main character in this thing is still very much into horses, still very much wants to do that all the time. I don't know about you, if you were doing an activity with a friend and they were messed up for life because of it, do you think you could just hop right back on that horse, for lack of better words? I would second guess myself, for sure. I don't think I'd be as obsessed with it. Yeah, yeah. And I might go like, oh man, I miss those times, but I don't know if I can really go back into doing that thing because I saw something horrible in front of me. Yeah, I have a bunch of, uh, a bunch of friends that uh, ride motorcycles. And mm-hmm. I'm like, nope, nope. I know what happens on those things when it doesn't go right. And to me, it's not worth the wind in your hair. I like, get that. <laughs> like I've I've gone uh, I've gone skydiving. I I thought that was a cool once in a lifetime experience. But I know another guy Dude, that is statistically safer than a motorcycle too. But I know another <laughs> guy that uh, he won't do it because when he was thinking about doing, it, he literally saw someone fall to their death. Oh Jesus! And their parachute didn't open. He went to like some opening of a mall or something like that. And some guy skydives in, and the guy's parachute didn't open, and he just died at the opening. So he won't. He will never do skydiving. It's off the table for them. Yeah, that's that's trauma. It's pretty safe, but you know, shit happens. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's it's a weird choice to really jump right back into that, or ever jump back into that if you had a traumatizing event. Mm-hmm. And I love horses too, but uh, I mean, I'm not trying to get preachy. I'm I'm like ethically against using them for anything except helpful things. Yeah, like work, like it, it, not riding them. Because, like, literally every horse that gets ridden for a long time develops small breaks in their spine. Mm-hmm. And it, like, it gives most of them some kind of arthritis or pain or whatever. And, they, you know, they're a fucking horse. They can't yeah. tell you. Yeah. Right? 
So I'm like, rodeo, uh, horseback riding, just in general, unless you're a fucking cowboy that literally needs it to go where cows go. Okay. Like, there's no excuse for us using horses for anything. No, the, the, for fun, yeah. I right. I get what you're saying. Okay. Anyway, okay, sorry. Off the pedestal. No, no, cool. The, this podcast gets on the pedestal all the time, so it's, <laughs> it's cool. Uh, many people, if you were far right and you listen to this podcast, you probably do not <laughs> like this podcast, because this is a very liberal podcast. Um, okay. Now, the other one, I'm going to me- take something from your movie, but I'm not going to mention the movie that's from. All right. But in this movie, there is a scene at a party where a bunch of white people start shouting the N-word over and over and over again. I don't remember that scene. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty... It's been a while. They parrot the main character. Yeah, He yeah. raps this, and then they... Oh, yeah, yeah, do yeah. ...do it back. And I got to say... How weird is it just for the actors yeah. to do these scenes? Be the white guy cast to say the N-word over and over again. You have again. to have and the director and the, and the main actor and all the other actors there that are black. And like You have to constantly feel like you're looking at them like, this is okay, right? At least that one's in like, it, that scene is in a big crowded scene. So it's like, okay, all these guys are doing it. Yeah. I'm not being singled out. <laughs> but there's so many other movies where the guys say it right to the guy's face. Yeah. And that's so uncomfortable. I can can't imagine doing the audition. I right. feel like a lot of people don't pass the audition by just being like, can't do I it. can't say the word. Because they got the guy right in front of them. Like, okay. You like, gotta... you have to play a Nazi. Yeah. Ah. Like, just, just say, I can do it. If you could just shout every horrible word you can about black people and just say the, hit the N word really hard. We want to feel the hatred coming out of you. Lakeith, could you come in here? Oh, say this right to Lakeith's face. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you pay me enough money, I might try. But then also, I know... Because people do not understand the difference between acting and real life. Right. People would pass me in the street and be like, oh, you're that guy from that movie. Fuck you, dude. Yeah. Like, it was... Yeah, and then not everyone really understands the distinction. Oh, no, they between don't. Between the actor and the part. One, one of the things I love is uh, Forrest Whitaker was on The Shield. Have you ever seen The Shield? That's Marvel, right? No, no. It's, oh, it, different it, it's a it's a, it's a sh- That's Ages of Shield. Ah. The Shield is a show about dirty cops. Okay. And Forrest Whitaker's job, he was not the main character. The Dirty Cops were the main characters. He mm. was in there to take them down. Mm. But until like the end of the series, you kind of like the Dirty Cops, even though they do fucked up shit. Yeah. So Forrest Whitaker came in there, and he was trying to take down the main characters. And he came on an interview with a show I used to listen to, and go, like, people come up to me in the street and say, hey, leave them alone. And like get really mad and curse them out <laughs> for trying to take down Dirty Cops in a fictional series. <laughs> it's just, people don't seem to understand... The distinction between reality and fiction. You know what's funny? And there is a prime example of the exact opposite of that because in Lethal Weapon 2, Danny Glover and Mel Brooks are going after... I would say Mel Gibson. Did you see a I'm different sorry, version? I said Mel Brooks. <laughs> Mel Gibson. Yes. Mel Gibson and Danny I Glover. I want to see the Mel Brooks Lethal Weapon. <laughs> you know what? There is a parody of it called Loaded Weapon. Yeah, I'm not going to watch that. It's good. Really? It's so good. It's, I know it's National it's, Lampoon. National Lampoon, besides Vacation, dude, usually bad. Emilio Estevez as the Mel Gibson part... Samuel L. Jackson as the Danny Glover part, okay. and then William Shatner as the main villain. Okay. And Tim Curry as his henchman. It's it's worth it, it dude. It's not Mel Brooks, but continue. It's not. It's, <laughs> no, nothing's Mel Brooks. It's not as good as that, but it's still really funny. Anyway, uh, in Lethal Weapon Two with Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, uh, they're like going after uh, apartheid, you know, mm-hmm. South African Nazis essentially yeah. the whole time. And Mel Gibson's character is like, ha, master race. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah. saying all this negative shit about white supremacists. And, like, late, you know, you think, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, that's funny, because we know who Mel Gibson really yeah. is. <laughs> I used to love those movies. I still like them, 
but I have a hard time watching things with Mel Gibson. But yeah. I at least get Maverick like, is one of my favorite movies ever, and I'm like, Son Brave, of a bitch. Braveheart's in my top ten. Yeah, but I, I, it's easier for me to go back and to watch those movies because I already have an attachment to them. Right. But I get mad that people have started making him cuddly. Mm. He's like he's like the nice, fun, maybe a little bit of curmudgeon, but ultimately a nice guy to people. I'm like, no. He not only is he anti-Semitic, which is already enough for me to go like, I don't like this guy. Yeah. He beat his girlfriend so hard, knocked out a tooth. Even if you don't like Jewish people, can we at least agree <laughs> that beating women is wrong? Yeah, probably. But probably no, no one could all get on board with. And yeah, uh, yeah. Look, I don't agree that Will Smith. I, I don't think Will Smith should have slapped Chris Rock, but he's getting so much worse shit in Hollywood than Mel Gibson did, and I think Mel Gibson is a lot worse than Will Smith. I think you're right, and I think it's just the timing—the timing of when Mel Gibson got called out for all of his shit versus the internet culture right now of going completely ballistic instantly on anyone that yeah. does anything problematic. Like, I, I don't know why. Like, that's not getting brought up. Yeah, you know, like, are you, I mean, they brought up Roman Polanski. They wrote. They brought up Harvey Weinstein. Like all these other fucking people. That have recently, well, not Roman Polanski. That's not a recent call out, but that's no. like a well known. Yeah, you fled the country because you knew you were guilty. But that one's weird because people still worked with him for years after that happened. Right, right, decades after that happened. Yeah, and that was known. Right. So I mean, that's why people are bringing that up, and I'm like, it, yeah, it, it's it's relevant, and also like, I, I don't know anyone personally who's actually got that big of a problem with Chris Rock or Will Smith. I know more people who call out Chris Rock for his toxic shit, mm -hmm. you know, and then Will Smith, they're like, well, yeah, that was dumb, Yeah, but, you know. He gets, I think he should, you know, get reprimanded about it, but, like, all his movies are getting canceled, his entire careers, and look, I don't care about Will Smith personally that much. Right. But I think he's, he's going to be fine. He, eventually, but, <laughs> like, right, yeah. Even that, even if he never works again, he would he is, be fine. Yeah, he'll be fine. He's made a lot of money. Yeah. I don't know if you know that. He's in a lot of movies. He, he could fund... All of the independent movies he wants to for the rest of his life with his money and Jada's money. Yeah. And they seem to be on the same page here. I just think the, the court of public opinion on this thing is dumb where everyone's freaking out about it. It's so yeah. much. And there's so much worse people out there. Yeah. And it's but again, this, guys, like, see, we've, talked, we've already like wasted like five minutes talking about this when it's like it, it didn't even deserve the credence no, at the time. No, it's just uh, <laughs> I get because I, I just I want more people to be focusing on how terrible Mel Gibson is mm -hmm. than about Will Smith. That's why I bring it up. Yeah. Um, okay, let's here's another one. So I recently, I've started, for most of my life I was a snob. I was like, okay, if music was released after 2000, it's probably shit. And now I'm recently catching up on some bands, like a band from 2012 will be, oh, this is new music to me. <laughs> and so I recently started listening to this band called Fun Period. They're okay. They're not, they're not amazing, but they're okay. But they have this one song, We Are Young, and Janelle Monet showed up on it. And she sings three lines in it. Just repeating yourself three sent one sentence three times and mm -hmm. then she disappears. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I know who Janelle Monet is. She's an actress. Oh, sorry, I forgot. They came they, out non-binary. Yeah. They, they are, they are, they are actors. They are, they've done music for a long time. Mm -hmm. Why would they show up to sing three lines on some random band that I only just kind of know about now? Song. I feel like why would they agree to do that? I mean, ten years ago. They weren't that well known. They were okay. I mean, I, I I think they were in the the industry, but I don't remember anything about Janelle Monae until 
five, six years ago, maybe? I guess, yeah. Uh, Hidden Figures is when I heard about them. Right. I, so I knew about them from their acting. And then I was like, oh, they they do music as well. Yeah. But I don't. I, I, but I see this all the time. Like, Alice Cooper, who's, who's my, one of my favorite artists. Yeah. He has an a, album where there's tons of guest stars on it. Yeah. I didn't realize that until I looked it up because you can't hear them. They're so <laughs> buried in there. Why would you? I just don't get artists showing up in other people's stuff. If you're not going to give me a verse... If you're not giving me, give me some time to shine, why would I show up for this? Yeah. I didn't know Janelle Monet was in the song I, until I heard it all featured. It's like, okay, I got to look at the music video to hear when they're in it. Because I didn't hear them multiple times on listening. I had to go, oh, there they are. They say small thing and then they're gone. As, to me, it's weird. I mean, it's kind of like Ozzy Osbourne in, in Rob Zombie's Iron Head. Like, okay. That Yep, that was Ozzy for a verse. You got me excited because I like this artist, and then they're just not really there. Yeah, I'm like, you might as well have just left Ozzy out of that. And and there, there's also a Saul Williams song. That, and Trent Reznor produced the whole album mm-hmm. for Saul Williams. And Saul Williams, by the way, my favorite hip hop hip hop artist. He's like, he's incredible. Never heard of him, um, but that, I'm barely that you know, into that. You know, it's insane. Trent Reznor produced uh, his album. Uh, the the irony of this album is that it's titled it's entitled something that like even in the lyrics of the album Saul Williams is like hey white people you can't say this so I can't even tell you the name of the album that sounds good per se let's it's, be safe with that it's it's amazing um, but uh, uh, this the everything but the first word is Tardust and uh, 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 oh shit. The, the inevitable rise and fall of blank tar dust. So, you know, it's a, it's a riff on... Uh, Ziggy Stardust? Ziggy Stardust. Um, rhymes with Ziggy. Yeah, I figured yeah, that yeah. out. Anyway, Trent Reznor uh, d- produced that whole album, so a lot of the music in there is, like, very Trent Reznor sounding, mm-hmm. right? And there's even, like, one track in there that was a Nine Inch Nails song that never got used, so they just converted it for Saul Williams. And there's a different song where Trent Reznor sings an opening verse for it. And it's four lines. And then I'm like, what was the point of that? But like, I, he doesn't come back in the song. I'm just like, did, did was that putting his voice on there just to try to attract his fans to that album? Because we were already down for it the second we knew mm-hmm. he was producing it. Yeah. You know? But I, I at least get him showing up is because he's producing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't get it when you show up and you have nothing to do with it besides those lines. It's yeah. like a way. You, I guess it's like doing a favor for a friend, doing a podcast for free. Uh, you know, <laughs> like sure, I'll do this thing. I I don't really care about this, but sure, I'll I'll do this because you're there's, a friend. There's a, another prime example is like I mean, hip hop artists, you know, are very collaborative. So oh, they're, yes. like they're on each other's albums all the time. But like, there's this one song that Eminem shows up on a Nicki Minaj song for like four lines. And it's all like homophobic drivel. Yeah, that sounds like Eminem. Which sounds like Eminem, right? Yeah. But at the time, Nicki Minaj was like, "I'm bisexual," you know, and like trying to yeah. be part of the queer community and whatever, and claiming all this shit. And then I'm like, "So why did you leave Eminem's like homophobic rantings on your fucking song?" Well, it's like it's like when Elton John teamed up with Eminem too. They did a they did their own and, version of Stan, and that was that was weird. Supposed to be his like, see, I'm not homophobic. Yeah, but you are. <laughs> like, like see I worked with a gay dude once on stage for probably $10,000 yeah no it's a, it's a little ridiculous yeah uh, okay here's another one I was, what, Tasha and I love the show Atlanta and we're, we're going through that right now 
And there is a scene in there where someone's on, someone's on their deathbed. They're going to be dying soon. And there's like, they're not, they're at their house. So it's just, it's like a party inside, in the deathbed room. That's how he wants to go out with a party. And I just, it just made me so uncomfortable thinking about me being on my deathbed because I'm not a party person. I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like I want to be alone. Maybe my wife will be there. She'll have to be quiet because I want to watch my Netflix. That's how I want to go out. <laughs> I don't know. You want to go out watching Netflix? What, what, what's your deathbed atmosphere that you want? I want, I want meditating. I want incense. If I'm if I'm so involved enough with the Tibetan Buddhist community enough, I want a llama there chanting and lighting incense when oh, I die. That's too many people. I'd be I'd just be socially uncomfortable. I don't want to be nervous on my deathbed. Well, my other my other plan is also related to Tibet um, because when when they they're they're uh, traditionally when you die in Tibet. Uh, they they cut you up and feed you to vultures, mm. um, because it's you know bring it bringing it back to the you know to the animals you're feeding animals with your body it's mm-hmm. you know it's like a green burial but way more graphic. Okay. Um, I mean, it makes more also, wait, it makes more sense than burying we people yeah. and putting or, up a headstone, just burning their ashes and wasting all the fuel in the world um, to to obliterate someone into mm. ashes. Um, so yeah, like my, my other plan is like, well, if I know it's coming real soon, maybe I'll just walk out into the desert and let myself go. Because in America, if anyone did that to their dead friend mm-hmm. or loved one, they'd probably get arrested yes. and charged. So I'm like, well, I clearly have to do this by myself. So I have to walk out into the middle of nowhere by myself when I know I'm going to die. That's yeah. that's going to be, you know, that's a tough margin. That's too lonely, especially if you don't have a... If you don't know, sell reception, where are you going to get your Netflix? <laughs> All right. Uh, I, got, I think I got a couple more of these. Uh, I got to keep my phone open. Oh, no. I only have one more. Uh, so I was watching the movie Belfast. I don't know if you heard about it. Not made for best picture. Just okay. Uh, but the dad in there. <laughs> Wait. Which one is that? It's the it's one made by um, Kenneth Branagh about his childhood in, in Belfast. Oh, okay. And it's about how movies were so important to him as a child. And they're the only things in color in the movie is when he's watching movies. Blech. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> but the dad in there has a catchphrase. It's be good, and if you can't be good, be careful. And this happens all the time in movies. People always have the, the thing that people say to them over and over again in their life. I've never met a person who has a catchphrase. Like if you would pull the string of their doll, they're going to say this thing. Is that a real thing, or is that just something that movies do? My dad had a catchphrase. Oh, well, you just disproved my theory. <laughs> Every time I'd leave the house when I was a teenager, uh, after I got my driver's license, he uh, or when he left for work in the morning, he would always point and go, remember, be careful out there. Okay, so that's very similar to this one, too. Yeah. I, I guess all, the only real catchphrase is our parents telling their children to be careful. I think you're right. I mean, why else would you have one? I'm I not, don't know. <laughs> I, did, I did go through a, a, a period in high school... Uh, were, and this is so fucking stupid. And understand, this is of the time. And I'm not gonna, it's not, not racist or anything like that, but just fucking stupid to say. That means it's probably gonna be racist. No, it's not racist. <laughs> it's, more, it's more about fat shame. It's a little bit, oh, which okay. is bad. Uh, which, you know, I was really into South Park, and you know, Cartman mm. would always go like, I'm not fat, I'm just big bone. Yeah, yeah. So I would always use, and I was, you think I'm thin now? I was super thin then. And I would always go like, if you'd say something to me, like, uh, call me stupid or something like that, I'd always go like, I'm not stupid, I'm just big bone, which is just a dumb thing. <laughs> but I got so much into the That's habit. so good, though. I got so into the habit of doing that, 
they became unable to stop. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it would be my reflex action. So, you'd throw any insult at me, I'd throw that at you. And eventually, I got sick of it. Yeah. But it took me months of training to get rid of that catchphrase. And I'd hope that I wouldn't die and then that would be how one remembers me. He said, I'm not fat, I'm this guy. I have a worse one. What? I, I have a worse and way more pretentious one than that. Okay. Uh, when uh, Lord of the Rings was coming out in the movies, I was so fucking into it uh-huh. that I intentionally... I intentionally got into the habit anytime I cleared my throat of going, (laughs) and I'm not fucking joking. Like I was like, I'm going to turn this into a reflex and I succeeded. No, you do it enough. It does become a thing. Yep. And and I still do it sometimes. Yeah. Mostly I don't, um, especially because now I work at a school and my students would be like, what the fuck was that <laughs> you know those movies are old now you gotta remember yeah. that they wouldn't even know what it's from yeah but yeah so they would just think i was being really creepy and weird if i just went Dum, Dum. Dum. they'd also they just think it's the weirdest clearing your throat or cough <laughs> i don't even think because it's not like a real word right it's just it's just gullum just said really horribly like, are you jewish that's the best thing that if they are jewish they go like you know about gullums that's about it yeah so yeah, I had to I had to retrain myself to stop doing that. It's when I decided to grow up. Yeah, it does take it does take conscious thought sometimes <laughs> to actually grow up a little bit. Yeah. All right, so that's all my entertainment thoughts. Now we're gonna go into entertainment news because this is an entertainment show, entertainment all the time. Yeah, there we go. All right, so we're we're gonna get more into people who you you think don't matter. That's fine. All right. I agree that they don't matter, but I find this stuff interesting. So we're gonna they, go they into they matter it. in the sense that they are human beings, and beyond that, who gives a shit? Okay, so the <laughs> first one is a Marvel story, okay. and I know you don't like Marvel, but here we go with this. No, 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 no. I don't like Marvel Studios. Okay, well this is a Marvel Studios story. <laughs> <laughs> so the new Doctor Strange is coming out, and mm. it, they have this character who's a few years old, America Chavez. America Chavez is a superhero. Who, go, who can punch through dimensions. And another thing about her is she's Hispanic and she's a lesbian. That is why it is being banned in several countries. Because several countries do not want this movie to show. Because their kids are going to cor- get corrupted. They're going to see this lesbian superhero and suddenly they go, go like, you know what, I'm a lesbian now. Because that's how it works. Yep, yep. Representation changes you. Yeah, because, yeah, it's going to teach young girls that if you eat pussy, it's, uh, it's it makes you a superhero. It makes right? you super strong, gives right. you super strength, and you can fly. That's amazing. I- <laughs> Florida literally just banned 35 math books. Yeah. For containing what they believe to be critical race theory. And I really want to see these books. I'm I like, know. What thing addressing race is in the math texts that uh, you're worried about indoctrinating your kids into hating America for our racist past when you were just trying to teach them algebra? It's so the whole thing against critical yeah. race theory is so dumb because you look at like you look at uh, Germany. Germany did a bunch of shit in World War II. And they are fucking ashamed of it, and they are aware of their history. Yeah. America has done a bunch of fucked up shit over the years, and we deny it and act like we're the greatest country in the world. Look, yeah, it you doesn't can fit lo- the narrative. You can love this country, but you have to acknowledge that we've done horrible things in the past so that we don't do horrible things in the future. Instead, we're still doing horrible things and acting like it's not going on. They're like It's just they just don't want to address it. They don't I want to move to Australia. They don't want to deal with it. And it's, it's they, uh, like, they are claiming it's making white kids hate their country. And I'm like, no, it's just make, it's just addressing the things that we did that are hateable. 
and we should hate yes. about our past so that we don't do it again. You should hate certain things about your country. I mean, they do. Yeah. They hate that we have gay marriage. <laughs> they hate that abortion is legal. Exactly. You know, now, I mean, federally. Um, like, so you obviously hate America too. That's you just hate different parts of it than we do. That's the thing. When they're in power, they go like, accept your country, love it or get out. But we're in power. Like, there's so much wrong with this thing. There's gay married and stuff. We really need to fix this. It's like, wait, so you guys can be upset about things, but we can't? Yeah, you can hate American society, but we can't. Yeah. Well, then you're getting woke and go woke, go broke, you know, because it rhymes, so it's clever. I've seen a lot of uh, pro-America, anti-Biden flags recently. Oh, my God. And I'm like, okay, well... Did you think I was anti-American for hating Trump? Because yeah, exactly. you are now saying that you're oh, exactly. you're now anti-American. Well, the difference is that Trump is still our president. Don't you know that? He's the one who really won. <laughs> yeah, he won. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> There's a guy across the street from us that has a "Let's Go Brandon" flag. It's so embarrassing. I hate <laughs> I hate my city. Uh, okay, so let's go to the next one. Uh, did you do you play video games at all? Only on my phone. Okay, so you're not gonna relate to this. But there was this game that came out uh, last year, one game of the year. My wife and I played it. It's one of the best games to play as a couple. It's called It Takes Two. You basically, you you both play, uh, you can only play it multiplayer. And you play a couple that's about ready to get divorced, that gets turned into dolls, and they have to go through these things to try to get themselves unchanged into dolls. And it's super cooperative and super fun. And one of the best games I've ever played. Is this as horror themed as it sounds? No, it's a fun platformer. <laughs> but you're trying to save your marriage. While you got turned into dolls. Wait, platformer is in side scrolling. Uh, not side scrolling, but lots of jumping around. And okay. Kind of, it's it's fun. It can so be like played Mario by kids. Sixty four. Yeah, of. along those lines, but like real, like you get attacked by like a stapler <laughs> uh, with eyes. That's that kind of thing. It's it's really fun, and it's one of the most creative games I've ever played. Uh, but they're going to make a movie of this. I don't know how you oh, get the no. feel. Of this game in a movie, if you're not controlling, if you're not working together, the whole thing is about this. You feel them working to get the marriage together because you have to work together to play this game. Right. I don't know how a movie, especially because they're talking about having the rock star in it, is going to be that same thing. He's producing it and there's a possibility he's going to star as the husband. And I'm like, no, let's just not do that. I, the Rock just really likes video game movies. Apparently. Yeah, not good ones. I, oh, I haven't seen Jumanji. Oh, that's not a video. Yeah, well, it is a video game in the new one. It's a it's a, it's a video game movie, but it's not an adaptation of a video game. Right. It's a it's an adaptation of a fictional video game within the movie. Yes, that, that's different. <laughs> I feel like I actually really enjoyed the new Jumanji I mean, movies. I appreciate the fact that this is a unique sounding game. It's so fun. But do they address how you get turned into dolls? Yes, it's all in the story. Uh, it, basically, I want to know okay. who does this to so them. So their daughter found this love book, and she's crying. She's the parents are getting divorced, and she cries in this. She cries, and her tears go on these dolls that she made that strangely look like her parents. And her tears go into them, and this love book comes alive and changes them into the dolls. And then the love book gives them tasks they have to do in order to turn back. Don't care that much about the plot. It's actually really good, even if you ignore the plot. The game itself. No, again, the, their marriage the stuff is good. Is so unique that it sounds really interesting to me. But the everything book, about it, when it's just spoken, is like that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. It's so fun. like there's a sequence where the husband has to fly a paper airplane while the wife is on top fighting a chipmunk. Nice. So you're controlling a plane and she's doing a Street Fighter. That's for the chipmunk. Yeah. It's got a lot of things That's going on. It's truly unique. I appreciate it. It's that. one of the most fun games I've ever played. Just, I don't want a movie. It's not, unless you somehow can choose your own adventure, I don't see how the, the, the feel is going to 
Go that on. Would, see, that would be good if they if they if like whatever platform they streamed it from, uh, or theater. If you know that's even still going to be a thing. Um, yeah. That you played it at like has the different endings like Clue. Yeah. Um, where I mean, not necessarily you choose because like when you're playing Clue. You know, yeah. the board game, obviously, you don't choose to lose. Yes. Um, but you do, you know, end up with different endings. So if they did that, where they had different endings to the movie like Clue does, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. I feel like it, it defeats the purpose if you don't feel the cooperation, you just see it. <laughs> Another one uh, story that's coming up, and I think is this, this is going to go into a little bit more of a serious topic. So uh, there was recently a remake of West Side Story, starred Anson Elgort, who is problematic. Uh, I don't even know who that is. Okay, well, you don't need to. He was in Baby Driver. He's a piece of shit. Okay. Anyways, the girl... Who is he? Maria's love interest? Yeah, exactly. So the girl who played Maria has has spoken out recently, and she's like, look, I don't feel like it's my my responsibility to have to answer for his crimes. Mm. Because so many people in interviews are asking her, what do you think about the allegations against Ansel Elgort? And she's like, I want to talk about me on there. Why can't a guy... Who did these crimes? Why isn't he getting questioned about this? Why do I have to answer for his crimes? And I think that is very true and very needs to be said because a lot of people do this. Right. I used to listen to uh, this podcast. Well, it was a radio show, but I listened to the podcast version of it called Kevin and Bean. And on there, one of the guys uh, came in on the last few years, Jensen Carp, turned out to, he got, uh, do you know what Milkshake Dunk is? No. Okay, this is when someone goes viral and everyone loves them. And then you look into their past and find out they're a piece of shit. Okay. So one of the guys on there, Jensen Carp, he got... So that's not Kevin or Bean. That's not Kevin or Bean. Okay. He's a guy that came on the last few years. Yeah, I guess. Uh, he was... Uh, he got... Went viral for... He found shrimp tails in his cereals. Like, what's going on with this? And everyone's talking about shrimp guy. And then people dug into his past and found out that he was abusive to his employees. He used to work on uh, Mass Singer mm. and... Um, uh, rap battle show on TBS and a bunch of other different products and it turned out he's super problematic and treated people like shit on sets so everyone hated him immediately went from loving this guy to hating him mm. so there on, on Kevin Bean there's a, a lady co-host Ali McKay who most of the questions are going to what do you think about the fact that Jensen did this Can, what do you have to say about that and she was like why am I getting asked about this stuff why am I as a lady have to speak for because this guy abused women I have to speak about being a woman in his presence for what he did. Right. And she's like, it's a good point because for some reason, if women are being abused, we go, well, what's the woman's point of view on this? Did you see the abuse? Were you treated badly? It's like, why do we have to, whether they were or not, it's not our business to, to traumatize them about abuse that they went through. It's it's instinctually, even I was like, Ali, yeah, what, what was it like working with them as a woman? Right. I never said it, but it was in my mind. Right. And when a guy dressed like, oh, you know what? That is right. That is a piece of shit thing to do. Lay off of that. Yeah. But people aren't learning. No, I agree, uh, but I don't know. Uh, it it, it depends. Like like we were talking about with Will Smith. Like it depends entirely on who the celebrity is and when it comes out. Whether they're gonna be held accountable anyway. Like Ellen. <laughs> yeah. Ellen didn't get held accountable for shit. No. She just lost some popularity. Looked very tired and stressed, and then retired like a year and a half. Yeah. Later. She's able to. Her show's able to keep on going. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? No. And she's gonna be fine forever. Right. Exactly. Like no one hurt her by. Uh, I mean, they hurt her reputation, but w- no, they didn't. See, there yeah. we go. My my enabling language. I'm like, no, no, no. She hurt her own reputation yes. by treating people on her show like shit, apparently. And I'm like, you have all these millions of dollars to give away to families all the time that you know makes 
the public think you're a philanthropist. Mm -hmm. It's not your money. It's NBC's money, probably. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I am going to go into a story similar to this one, but Mm -hmm. I think it's going in a positive direction. So I'm a big fan of um, Mike Flanagan. Do you know who that is? Uh, It's only by name. Okay, Mike Flanagan is a horror writer-director. He made House, uh, Haunting of Hill House, Haunting okay. of Blog Manor, uh, Midnight Mass. I think he's a genius. On his new, he's doing a new miniseries for Netflix, uh, Fall of the House of Usher, mm. and he had the actor Frank Le- Frank Langella on there. Do you know who that is? That's another familiar okay. name that you'll have to contextualize. He's in The Americans. He was in Kidding. Uh, he's an older actor, uh, very well respected, uh, but turns out he is a piece of shit. Uh, and he, allegations that he's, he's in his like 70s, he's grabbing women and saying inappropriate things to women. And here's the thing I like about Matt Flanagan. He has basically a no assholes rule on set. They filmed a lot of this thing already. They fired him. They're going to redo his shit because mm. Mike Flanagan believes women and actually supports his shit. And I'm, I don't think that the Me Too has done as much as they need to do, but I do see a little bit of people going like, moving in the right direction with that now. I'm not saying right. everybody, but I like to see stories... I don't like to see that this happened, but I like to see stories where someone actually is sticking up for people and actually... Because he said this thing, but I've never seen any story about him actually. Like, he said, no assholes on my set. Okay, that's easy to say. Actually follow through with his words. And I can actually say, I still like Mike Flanagan. I'm happy about that. Nice. <laughs> uh, let's see. Another video game movie that they're making is uh, Jason Momoa is going to star in the Minecraft movie. Okay, if there's anything that didn't need a movie. I know. Okay, I've never played Minecraft because it looks really boring, but isn't you're just a block guy and you go around making a block house and then at night zombies show up for some reason and then there's no plot? <laughs> and you know what's funny is that I always I always mixed it up with Minesweeper, which is like old Windows 95 <laughs> game. So like when all these kids were saying, I'm playing Minecraft, I thought they were playing Minesweeper. Kid, I was playing that before you were born. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, oh, they made it 3D. And uh, how interesting. Yeah. Turns out no mines in mine. I already forgot what it was called. I have to be looking at it. I mean, it's like the Jungle Cruise, like, how do you, how do you make a movie out of this remotely interesting? I... And, and again, I'm like, I just, I'm not going to see it anyway. I liked that movie. <laughs> It was 100% almost a recycle of uh, of the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Right, that's, yeah. 100% it was just a recycle of that plot. But it was fun. I liked it. Okay. Two just more stories. Just for the record, it's okay to enjoy fun things. Oh yeah, I know. I'm just I'm saying. Not gonna, I don't. I'm just saying I avoid fun. No, I'm not, I'm not getting defensive about <laughs> it. I just thought I play that up a little bit. Uh, this is something I don't get. And luckily I don't have the streaming service because there's about 150 streaming services right now. Peacock is going to take the Ted movie series and turn it into a TV series. That's the Seth MacFarlane movies where he's a teddy bear. Stop giving that man a platform. This is like every time I see Ricky Gervais pop up. I'm like, when are you just going to stop platforming him? He's a piece of shit. Yeah. That one hurt because I actually was a big fan of Ricky Gervais. but I was, well, I, I was up through extras. Okay. He started to get preachy around that time, but like The Office is literally one of the best shows I've ever seen. And then he went real, re- like he fell real hard real fast for me. Okay. Because the first stand-up special he did, the first 10 minutes was just fat jokes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you are a slightly pudgy dude. Mm-hmm. And you are going after obese people for like 10 minutes solid. Yeah. And by the way, that's just the fucking internet. It's like so much of the people who aren't funny 
go on the internet and talk crap on, oh, this woman gained weight or anything like that. It's like, you guys are talking about this woman gaining weight and you look terrible. Yeah. Why are we talking about this? Well, now that's his excuse is that, well, I'm fat. So I'll get to make fat jokes. <laughs> like, no, you're not fat. Yeah. You are slightly pudgy and you get made fun of as a child or whatever for it. And like, okay, so you've got your trauma. That's acceptable. But now you're just just blasting fat people for 10 fucking minutes solid. I'm like, I can't watch the rest of this. I no longer respect him. Okay. Then he started going off on his, you know, uh, atheist superiority complex. Yeah, oh yeah. Lots of, <laughs> lots of, lots of atheists do that. They're the bad atheists in my, because I'm an atheist, but I do not consider myself superior to someone who's religious. Right, and he's just like, uh, and now obviously like with J.K. Rowling coming out, he was one of the defenders and I'm yes. like, oh, you're transphobic too. And Great. Well, well that's the weird thing. J.K. Rowling has gotten taken to taken to bat for that. People have actually like attacked her for this. Yeah. And her 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 stock uh, people stock in her have gone down. Right. She's never going to be suffering for money. No. Nah. She's a billionaire or whatever. She's going to be rich for the rest of her life. But you talked earlier about timing. People still. Uh, Ricky Gervais has not gotten really any flack for. In being anti-trans, nope. J.K. Rowling has. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 weird. Well, I mean, not not in the same way, not in the same spotlight. Because I'm like, I still see, like, <laughs> I, I know some people who like to watch the Graham Norton show. So sometimes when I'm at the house, I, I see the Graham Norton show on. And last time I was, uh, I saw Graham Norton, I was like, there's Ricky Gervais, there's Kate Blanchett, they're all just having a good old conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how are you looking this fucking asshole in the face? And just smiling and laughing. Yeah. Like, how do you do that when this doesn't matter? Like, you're not doing a job together. No. You're, like, you're propping up someone who is actively harming people. Um, and, yeah, Seth MacFarlane, I don't know if he's as problematic as Ricky Gervais, but he's pretty horrible. Is he? Okay, because I, I only just got sick of him because they, you know, they gave him a billion TV shows and movies and stuff like that. And, and I, I got like... tired of him. But I, I think he's another, like, he's another one of those, you know, white, straight, cishet, superior atheist complex dudes. Okay. Um, and, I mean, that's very clear from Family Guy. But, I, I mean, granted, I thought the humor of Family Guy was pretty good. But also, I was 14 when it started. Yeah. So, <laughs> let's take that with a grain of salt. I, I, saw, I, I used to watch all this shit. I even watched right. the Cleveland show to completion. <laughs> uh, but... I stopped watching everything because it just got repetitive and boring, and they kept giving him more shows. When I remember I when can't. he when he hosted the Oscars, this got brought up with Will Smith situation because uh, uh, when Will Smith hosted the Oscars, he began it with an opening montage of singing songs about actresses that have bared their breasts in movies. Yeah, that's and kind of, I remember that when that came badly. out, thinking even when it came out, this was before me too. This was like this was way before I was like got my head out of my ass. And I still was like, this isn't funny. This no. is just uncomfortable. And like, yeah, some humor, a lot of humor is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't even funny. It well, was just insulting and uncomfortable. Well, that reminds me of just like, uh, and I, 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 I'm proud to admit things. I know a lot of people didn't. I've never been comfortable watching people's leaked nudes, looking at that <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah. But like so many people were, when the quote unquote fappening happened, when everybody's nudes got leaked online, I knew, everybody I knew was looking at that stuff. And I was like, this is so wrong. Yeah. It Just because you're famous does not mean you're able to look at their private stuff. That's messed up. Right. You should be supportive of them because privately, 
That's still their, still their lives. Right. When they're out in public, when they're doing the movies, you watch them all they want. If they want to talk about who they're dating, they can talk about who they're dating. Right. But like when newspapers are like going like, oh, this person's dating this person, it's just because they took a picture of them. Yeah. That's invasive. I feel like there's so much stuff that we feel we're owed because they're rich and famous, which yeah. I think is gross. And I think new pictures and all this stuff is just it's horrible. Yeah. Have, have you uh, uh, have you have you seen Oh Hello on Broadway? I don't even know what that is. Uh, it, that's Nick Kroll and John Mulaney. Okay. Um, playing their two characters, Gil Faison and... Uh, 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 or is it... Gil Faison, John. Yeah. Gil Faison and George St. Giggling. Okay. These old characters. And they're horrible, problematic characters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like, contextually, you know where it's all coming from. So it's like, okay, I can totally... It's kind of like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Where that, you're yeah. like, okay, I can see... Why a white audience that wants to laugh at other white people being horrible mm-hmm. really can appreciate this, and I could totally see why anyone else would uh, not appreciate yes. this. Um, but it's to me, it's one. Of, it's still really funny. Anyway, they also did a podcast called "Oh Hello the Podcast," except there's no "O." Oh, it's "Oh Hello the Podcast." Okay. Um, really fucking funny. It's a great way to spend three hours. Okay. Um. So, I mean, I mean, in three hours total, because they did, like, six episodes that are only half an hour. Okay, that, that, was yeah, it. that so, makes it a little bit more interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the Oh Hello special is, like, an hour and a half. It's a Broadway show on Netflix. Really fucking funny. Anywho, on an episode, they did an article with Pete Davidson, who is, like, all over the news right now, because he's with Kim Kardashian. Yeah, people talk about um, his day in life all the fucking time. Right, exactly. And it, it, it's funny, because, like, he has so many mental illnesses that he has addressed publicly and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's... Okay, that's very clear right now. Yes. Because... He hates, uh, he passionately hates uh, paparazzi. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you chose yes. to date the Kardashian. You chose poorly. <laughs> right, right, right. So I'm like, all right, well, didn't, I mean, you had to know. Yes. Like, you had to know, right. But he's got an episode on the Oh Hello, the podcast um, where he's having a conversation with these two ridiculous characters played by John Mulaney and Nick Kroll. And it's about paparazzi and mm-hmm. what they do to, like, how much they, like, just fucking wreck your life. Yeah. Um, which, again, ironic. He's dating Kim Kardashian. Yeah. But whatever. You can do what he wants. Nevertheless, good episode because it's a weird comedic way to address that topic and enjoy the conversation. Yeah. No, that, that does sound... I might check that out. So especially you said it's only, like, six episodes or something yeah. like that. I can check that six out sometime. Six episodes of really fucking funny. And I, I love... Like, I, I watch Big Mouth, and so mm-hmm. I like their work. So yeah, I'm yeah. a big fan. Uh, <laughs> Very right. much in that vein. <laughs> all right, so that's entertainment news. Uh, to finish off the show, I uh, wanted to talk about movies that I think not enough people have talked about, have seen. And so I base mine loosely on yours, but I'm going to let you go first, and I'm going to explain my connection to yours. Mm. Okay. So uh, do you want to go first? What's a movie you think not enough people have seen? Okay. It, it, it's called Sorry to Bother You. Um... It's, uh, I, I really think everyone should see this, but especially white people. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it stars, uh, oh shit. Lakeith Stanfield. Stanfield. That's what I always, I always forget his last name. Lakeith is easy to remember, yes. but Stanfield, I'm like, that sounds Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> he could be Jewish, there's yeah, Jewish mean, people. He might be Jewish. Um, but I've never, like, again, I'm not a paparazzi, so I don't know that much about his personal life. Other than he's a fucking awesome actor, and every time I see him... I'm happy to see him I've on screen. I've yet to see him in a bad project. I'm sure there has. I haven't seen everything he's done, but every time I've seen him in something, it's always been good. Right. I was actually disappointed in Knives Out 
that his character was kind of oh he's the, like he's like the straight man I forgot in this he was cast a, of lunatics. Oh my god, a flash! I didn't recognize him in, <laughs> in Knives Out, but yes, he's in that. Yeah, and Holy he crap. he plays like one of the only sensible characters yeah. in the whole thing, and I'm like, he's got range. He's exactly he's he's such a good actor that I'm like, well, he did a really good job at playing a real person, mm-hmm. but I really wish he kind of. You know, yeah. been able to play a more of a crazy person. Yeah, like everyone else in the cast. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So it's a it's about a guy who's down on his luck and he gets a job working for a telemarketing company. And uh, hey, we already mentioned him. Uh, Danny Glover uh, is an older uh, telemarketer who explains to Lakeith Stanfield's character that uh, in order to make successful uh, telemarketing phone calls, you have to use your white voice. And uh, they demonstrate this, and they have the white voices between them of... Uh, oh, no, no. Uh, well, I don't remember if it's Patton Oswalt or David Cross. David Cross is the main character. Okay, so David Cross does Lakeith Stanfield. The guy on the next tier up... It's Patton Oswalt. Is Patton Oswalt. Um, and this guy, they're both very much black guys. And yeah. the other... It's and kinda, their white voices are literally being overdubbed and, by these white actors. And they're the dorkiest white guy voices you yeah, can Yeah, exactly. And that's the whole point. Is like, you gotta use this voice. Very non-threatening, order, very friendly. Exactly. To, to uh, you know, to whiteface yourself, yes. essentially, uh, in order to be successful in American business. Um, and then it goes into, like, this whole other levels of weird... I'd say don't say what the second half of the movie I can't. is. It's, it's, it's absurdist and a really, really bizarre, unique, interesting way to address racism in in a way that is like a thousand percent entertaining the whole way through. I don't even think it's just racism. No, it's, it's not it's, just it's racism. It's anti-capitalism. Oh, the way we use so. our workers, yeah, our yeah, yeah. Army Hammer's character is pure evil. It has nothing, it, definitely his character is racist, yeah. but he also just hates poor people. Right, right. And it, yeah, it, it's a brilliant movie and a, gr- a great take on society. And I feel like this is the second time I watched the movie because I rewatched it uh, to do the show with you. Uh, there's more stuff to catch each time, and just yeah. the, the points about the way we view regular, regular people who are not millionaires, who aren't rich, who are struggling to get by, is so well done. Yeah, it also addresses race and some very uncomfortable scenes, which you, you just go like, as a white person, take some notes, maybe don't do this. Yeah. I even I even used a, a, a clip from that with my eighth graders uh-huh. to to dis, to distinguish the tone of a scene versus the mood of a scene. Mm. Like, what's the tone of the dialogue of this scene? Because the dialogue, when Danny Glover explains, "Use your white voice," mm. is weird and humorous because yeah. you're like, "This is what use your white voice," and then he speaks in his white voice, and yeah. it's very funny. But the mood is very different because the lighting is dim and cool and mm-hmm. the music is like off-putting so i'm like okay so what's the tone of the dialogue versus the mood of the scene um so i used that to describe these like literary devices to a group full of eighth graders also because i wanted them to be aware of this movie not that they they and i told them i was like don't watch this movie without your parents permission yes but i'll show you this one scene because i think you should see it for multiple reasons Okay, so yeah, that I, I love that choice. My choice, coincidentally, I didn't know this, my movie I chose is also on Netflix, and when the credits rolled, you know, on Netflix, they say, if you watch this, also watch this. Mm. Recommendation after I watched my movie was Sorry to Bother You, so they're definitely loosely related. My movie's called Horse Girl. It is made by, um, oh fuck, I forgot their names, I'm a huge fan of them. 
Is it just because there's horses in it? No, no, no. I mean, that's definitely that's definitely a reason why I, I I thought of this. Horses and people getting hit in the head with objects. Uh, <laughs> it is made by. Uh, uh, fuck it, fuck it. His name's Mark. Can't think of his last name. I follow him on Twitter. He does all these great things. Uh, I'm gonna. They're brothers. They do this. The Duplass Brothers, made by the Duplass Brothers, produced by them. Mm. They made The One I Love, which is a movie I think everyone should see. It's fucking amazing. Not going to tell you anything about it, except for it's like a, a romantic comedy, Twilight Zone. Go check it out. Oh, nice. uh, they made Palatine, which is a movie about a guy dealing with his friend dying, and his friend's like, look, we'll do my bucket list, but you try to make me go do chemo, we're done, kind of thing. And then they did this movie, Horse Girl, which is basically stars Allison... Oh, fuck. I get her name mixed up with Brie Larson. Okay, it's not Brie Larson. Allison Brie. Uh, she starts as this girl who's very lonely, Does uh, just works in a fabric shop, uh, doesn't really do much with her life, but her friend forces her to kind of go out there and meet someone. And as it goes on, it starts out very small. She's just obsessed with this one show about like a, like a, like a, like a supernatural ripoff. It's called Purgatory. Mm. And she gets an idea in there about government doing something. Oh, I'm going to explain, explain it horribly. Here's what happens. Every night she goes to sleep and she wakes up and she sees herself basically in an abduction se- sequence. Uh, like alien abduction. She looks over to her left and right and sees two people that she's seen in her normal life later on in the movie. Mm. And she's trying to figure out if she's abducted or cloned or something like that. She believes in this, these conspiracies. And as it's going on, her life starts spiraling out of control. It starts off very normal. And then as it goes on, it gets more and more out there. And by the end of the movie, you have to decide, do you accept her? her version of reality or is it all in her head mm. it's a very out there movie i probably gave away too much with just that but um so i mean it sounds like it sounds like black swan with without the sense that oh no that was all in natalie portman's head sounds more <laughs> like you get to decide i think here's the thing from everything I, especially the, the second time i watched this movie from everything i've seen i think it's real mm. but i don't i don't have concrete stuff but there's a few moments in there go like okay this connects with this very well, so mm. that's very well done. But it's it's funny, it's jarring, it's uncomfortable, and it fit that weird tone that your movie fit into. Mm. Also has some stuff to do with horses, which I'm not going to explain <laughs> why it fits in with it. Sorry to bother you, yeah, yeah. but there is some horse stuff in there. Uh, I recommend people <laughs> that see makes this. It sound really fucking horse. Uh, There's some horse stuff in well, there. It's called Horse Girl. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I say I don't know anyone that's watched this movie. But if you have Netflix, watch both of these movies. You're going to have a good time. As long as you're open to, they are. They can both be offensive, and they both are weird. It's, if you want a weird time, check out Horse Girl or Sorry to Bother You. All right, uh, Dan, thank you, so, Danny, so, thank you so much for doing this movie. All right, this movie. I'm tired. <laughs> Thanks so, so much for doing this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. I will ask you again sometime. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, where can people check out your music again? D as in Danny. B as in Burkoff. Hopkins as in Hopkins. DBHopkins.com. All right. And thank you all for listening. <laughs> and remember, if you want your entertainment news two weeks late, listen to Unlicensed <laughs> Entertainment. Mm-hmm.